morning is, it is finished. Uh, that will work. <laughs> Jesus actually, that was his idea, by the way, to say that. Pretty sure he said it first. Amen. He said, and it's an interesting situation he was in when he said it. <laughs> he was literally hanging on the cross, nailed to the cross. When he said these words, it is finished. And let's just uh, research and discover this week. Uh, a lot of, uh, for, for a lot of us, it will be review. But it's never just, you know, dead letter of the law review, is it, when it's the word of God. It's a revisiting of something wonderful. And then for others, it might you might discover something new. And I'm believing God, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I'm believing God for myself to discover something new this week. Amen. Not new to God, not new to the Bible, but uh, uh, something that's revel revelation. Amen. I love revelation. I love finding something in the word that I didn't see before that proves to be uh, an encouragement and a blessing to me. Praise God. So we're going to find everything we can this week that's an encouragement, that's a blessing, that's an edification, that's building us up. Uh, I'm not interested for anything to take away anything from anybody. Let's just add to what we have. Glory to God. Increase of, uh, of, of understanding and revelation. And so uh, Jesus said it is finished, and we're going to figure out what he meant by that. There's a lot in those three words. And uh, I remember uh, a bumper sticker <laughs> that was popular a few years back. Many of you might have seen it. Hopefully you didn't have one. But if you did, don't, don't be condemned, you're righteous. Um, <laughs> Here was the bumper sticker. It said, please be patient with me. God, uh, God is not finished with me yet. Did anybody remember that one? Please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. Uh, let me just announce to you, this is unscriptural. <laughs> Um, there's scripture that proves that statement really not good. Now, if you run a Christian bookstore, God bless you. Or if you work for Mardell's or somebody, you know, we, we bless you. And, and, and there's always good things to find in Christian bookstores. But there's also other things there that aren't so scriptural. Actually, some Christian bookstores should have a warning label on the door. Enter with caution. Some products in this store could be harmful to your faith. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but it's kind of true. You have to be careful. You might want to, you might want to wear a Tyvek suit and some, you know, uh, okay. Latex gloves, you know, to handle some of it because it could, could be vi viral. Um, and, and uh, unhealthy. That's an unhealthy idea. Please be patient. With, please be patient. God isn't finished with me yet. 
Um, it's unscriptural. Now, here's the, here's the thought on that. We might, we might not be finished where understanding and comprehension is concerned. And so, how many know that as we comprehend, this, that's, that's a word that Paul used, he said that I may comprehend. His prayer was, Lord, that I may comprehend with all saints just how deep, how wide, how big your love and this work, this great work that Jesus declared finished is in my life. Amen. Now, you'll notice this. Paul never prayed once for... A deeper, uh, he never prayed for a deeper, uh, a deeper walk, you know, a, a closer walk. He never prayed for more love. He never prayed for more power. He never prayed for more glory. He never prayed for more anointing. He never prayed for more power or any of that. I repeated, didn't I? Praise God. But, uh, that one seems to be prayed for a lot. He never called uh, the church to pray for revival. You won't find that word in the uh, in the New Testament. But what he did pray was for, uh, and he never prayed for a touch or a visitation or an outpouring or any of those things. He did pray for a deeper understanding and comprehension. And I believe that as we see and revelation, I believe that as we see revelation, I believe that as we as we walk and we comprehend this great thing that God has for us that we find ourselves uh, in our in every area of our lives growing and being what we're what we're wanting to be, the ideal. Amen. Praise God. So we might not be finished where understanding and comprehension is concerned, but God is finished with His work. Hallelujah. He did not give us a half-finished product. This is not bake-it-at-home pizza. It's finished. Praise God. All right, so let's find some Bible verses here. Second uh, Corinthians. This now. This is this is my banner verse. Hallelujah! I believe the gospel in a nutshell. Second Corinthians five nineteen through twenty one. I don't know if you realize that just what I've told you so far. If you really understand what's being said, is enough for you to get everything you desire from God. I mean, your healing. I mean, your prosperity, whatever it is, your family being reunited, whatever it is that you're really wanting to see is it's it's already here. Hallelujah. It's already the those miracles. I mean, like like let I, I like what Pastor Steve says quite a bit. He's let's just take the limits off of God. You might say, well, I've never seen that before. Well, praise God, you could be the first one to testify. <laughs> Hallelujah. So everything in that, in those words that is finished is, is a powerful thought. All right, so for 2 Corinthians 5, 19, this is my banner verse, verses through 21. And this is the gospel. And everything that we understand and preach has to line up with this. 
And if it doesn't, if there's scripture that we find that doesn't line up with it, we've got to figure out what, what, why. We've got to figure out what, what it's saying. Cause you can't have, you can't have a mixture message and end up on stable ground. You're, you're sitting on top of a sinkhole. In Florida, we know what those are. In, in Tampa this week, it was, Evidence. If you if you're on top of a sinkhole, it's just a matter of time before the floor will collapse on you. And so to to build on top of mixture that that's not solid ground will you'll end up in, not in a good place with faith, and your faith will be will be rocked. Now it says here it was God personally present in Christ. Reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. Hallelujah. That's why the get right with God message doesn't work. You can scream that all you want to people. Get right with God. The problem is they can't. That's the problem. You don't have anything of yourself to bring to God to get right with him. The only thing we can do is humbly accept the rightness that he has provided. So he's the reconciler, not us. Reconciling, restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them. Doing what with them? Now, is that, am I reading this right or is this something weird? I think it's the New Testament pretty good. Canceling them. Now, let's stop there and, and insert this. You know, the minute you start preaching a strong message of finished work, righteousness and grace, somebody will start hollering about sin. Well, what about sin? Well, I always say, well, I'm glad you brought that up. Because mine's canceled. Now, if you want to hang on to yours, you can have yours. I'll give you mine too. Praise the Lord. (laughs) And you can hang on to them and you can hang on to a sin consciousness if you want to. And guess what? There's lots of folks that will help you do that. (laughs) But... Here we have scripture canceling the trespasses. He canceled them. Amen. So, you know, believe what you want, but I'm going to believe mine are canceled. It's just easier that way. And committing to us the message of reconciliation. Not the message of condemnation. Not the message of, you know, what you ought to be doing right. Not the message of morality. But the message of reconciliation. Jesus died on the cross not to condemn anybody, but to justify folks. Praise the Lord. Of the restoration to favor. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God making his appeal, as it were, through us, we as Christ's personal representatives... Beg you for his sake to get right. Is that what it says? No. Beg you to lay hold of the gift 
lay hold of the divine favor now offered you. Here's the altar call. Here's the really, this is the New Testament call to salvation. Call to receive salvation. This is it. Lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. In other words, the reconciliation or the idea. Can I come down here? See the so I can lay hands on people suddenly. (laughs) Scare folks. Amen. All right. I love this. We beg you. And so you think about the message of the church to the world because he's talking about the world here. What are we begging people to do? And so oftentimes, if we're not careful, we're begging people to, you know, to live up to a certain moral code or we're begging them to straighten up some stuff in their life that's not right. And that all certainly, you know, needs to change in those things. But how to get there? I think that's the question. I don't think there's any argument in the church world of the idea of, 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 uh, you know, living morally and those things. But the question is how to get there, how to be empowered to do it. So can, does, does, does going over the rules again and again and again and again, does that make it easier and better? Does that make it, does that empower us? To, in a sense, to live for God or to live the right life or whatever. And you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Sister Ledbetter's idea of holiness and a holy life might be different than yours. We all have the word and we've got the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we have to be careful. I'll just throw this in. We have to be careful that we don't make our conviction somebody else's rule. See? So, uh, you know, in other words, kind of like we mind our own business. Just saying. That's not a church idea, mind your own business. But it could be. I vote for it. I grew up as a pastor's son. Kind of gives me a little edge. I'm, I'm working on that edge, praise God, trying to sand it down and it's not so abrasive, you know, cutting. But, uh, you know, when you're the pastor's son, the whole church has an opinion about your, your hair cut and everything, you know. You, you line up at the door, everybody tells you how it should be. And I'd finally one day, I was a teenager and I just had it with the opinions of the entire congregation. So, uh, one day this lady, I finally pushed back a little. This, Lady, I was about 14, cocky, you know, and this lady comes to me and goes, I don't know if I like your hairstyle or not. And I said, well, you know, sister, I said, I don't know if I really care if you like it or not. <laughs> My dad had to run out in the parking lot and <laughs> save another member. <laughs> My poor dad. He'd, he'd, he'd love them into the church and me and mama would run them off, boy, I tell you. (laughs) 
I don't know why he didn't just dismiss us first. Y'all just go on home, get the roast out of the oven, and I'll shake hands at the end because daddy would love them in and mama and I'd run them out. <laughs> My sister never cared. All right. Uh, praise the Lord. Lay hold of the divine favor now offer. Really, that's the altar call. Inviting people to come and get a free gift. Hallelujah. And I think so often the invitation becomes more uh, uh, fettered than that. It, it, there's a lot of baggage that gets uh, tagged onto there. Because we want to do the work of the Holy Spirit. We want him to get saved and then agree to a lot of things here. Right up front. Now here's the deal. And depending on which group you're with is what kind of a life you'll lead. So if I'm going to pick a group, I'm joining. If I have to pick a group to live for God and, you know, I'm joining the Episcopalians because they have less rules than anybody. I figured that out. They're the most liberal. They'll let you get into heaven with less effort. The Episcopalians. Okay. Um, so, it says here, <laughs> lay hold of the... I hope you have a sense of humor this week. Otherwise, you're not going to enjoy the meeting. <laughs> okay, lay hold of the the divine favor now offered you. So that sounds like a good deal to me, like it's already paid for. It's sort of at the will call station. It's you know it's it's at the it's at the you claim it stand. Your salvation. Because it's already waiting for you. Your righteousness, your reconciled state with God, all the work's been done, all the prices been paid, all the, for things that were done wrong, all the penalty has been paid and dealt with. The judgment that was passed and the condemnation that came from the judgment, that's all been dealt with. So you've got a clean deal, paid for, in full, a new life, in Christ. All things, old things passed away, all things become new, with your name on it. And all you have to do is say, I receive it. It's almost too good to be true. I think we struggle with it because it's so easy and it's so amazing. It is amazing grace. All right, praise God. I'm doing good. All right. So, uh, where are we? Hallelujah. Okay. So, uh, for, for, uh, lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God for our sake. For our sake, say for my sake, 
for our sake, he made Christ virtually to be sin. See, Jesus didn't just pay the price for sin. He became sin. He said in John, if I be lifted up, I will absorb. He says, I'll draw all men. That word draw means absorb like a drawing salve that would draw the poison out of something. I will draw all men to me. In other words, I will draw, I will absorb all the sin, all the bad that's in men. I will draw them into me. It's the idea of being the scapegoat. All the sins of the world, all the sins of the camp put on that goat and sent into the wilderness to die. Bible historians who write about you know, history that was probably an oral history originally that was passed on about those times said that when the high priest would do the sacrifice and so forth and get to the end where they pray the prayer and put the, you know, put the sins of the, of the nation of Israel on that little animal, it would literally begin, its legs would almost collapse from the weight of the sin. The sin actually had weight. And was, and was, was placed on, on him. We, we, you know, the, the church, uh, at, at large has done a, a, an excellent job. You know, Mel Gibson even, uh, depicted it pretty good. There's parts of that movie that are a little iffy, but you know, the most of it is really good on, uh, the passion of Christ. Um, but, you know, we, 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 we do it, we, we can kind of get a, a Hollywood drama idea of the physical sufferings of Christ. But the part that they can't really depict is the spiritual sufferings. And that's the real heart of it and the meat of it. And Jesus did not feel God forsaken because of, of all that he was going through physically. But he felt God forsaken because of what he was experiencing spiritually. Glory to God. Whatever he suffered, we don't have to. That's the point. All right. Moving right along here. Okay, so he said, he made Christ, for our sake, he made Christ virtually to be sin, who knew no sin... So that in and through him, we might become something. Now, what have we become? What have we become? Here's what we've become. And this is what you got to see on that. You remember the the bumper sticker? Okay, here's the problem with it. We have become endued with, viewed as being in. Viewed by who? God. Now, here's the deal. Here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. Let's get a vision. Let's get a a, a picture of what we look like to God. See, we keep judging ourselves and judging others from our viewpoint, just as people. But we need to start looking at ourselves through God's lens. God's view. Viewed as being in and examples of the righteousness of God. Not viewed as being failures and we try our best 
And at the end of the day where we fail, God gets out his, his little bit of grace, you know, uh, spackling camp, com- compound and fills in the cracks with it. Yeah. This is, this is one view. That we try our best and God's grace picks us up where we fail. That's a terrible view. (laughs) That's not a good view. (laughs) The good view is here. A view (laughs) as being examples of. Like here's a good example. If you go to a, if you go to a classic car show, they'll say, here's an example of a 56 Chevy, Bel Air. Something. All right. Or they'll say, here's an example. In other words, this is they, they mass produce these things. But here's an example. Here's the only example we know that's restored. It's ready to show you follow me. So we're examples of. Well, if you're going to have an example of something, you want it to be right and good. An example of the righteousness of God. The righteousness of who? The righteousness of God. How many believe that might be kind of fixed up? Don't everybody shout at once. Not my righteousness to try to see how good I can do and show God anything. I'm not trying to show God anything. God's trying to show me everything. I'll show you God. I'll keep these rules. I'll show you. That's what we're tempted to do. My, our, our, our friend, brother Jim, uh, Andrews said to me one time, he said, uh, you know, Old Testament man's greatest temptation was to break the law. He's just tempted. It's like a cookie jar thing, you know. You tell a child, don't, whatever you do, don't put your hand in the cookie. He hadn't even thought cookies till you said that. And now you're for sure gonna hear the lid coming off. Old Testament man's greatest temptation, break the law. New Testament man's greatest temptation, keep the law. Oh boy. <laughs> keep it to show God how well I'm doing. Let me show. I want to get a point on my chart. Gold star in the Sunday school department. <laughs> Righteousness of God. What we ought to be. Hallelujah. How many times have you been in a service where somebody gave that as an altar call? Are you what you ought to be? Well, I didn't know the answer back then, but now I'd stand up and shout, yes! Praise God! Are you really what you ought to be? And then, and then, and then, and then this. Examine yourself and look and see if you're what you ought to be. We don't examine ourselves to see if we're what we ought to be. We examine Christ. Praise God. What we ought to be. What is that? What should we ought to be? What should we be? We had a little sister in my dad's church in Georgia. She was about three feet eleven, I think. Seemed to me. Uh, she was a holiness sister. She didn't. She never cut her hair. But she didn't have it piled up on top, atomic bomb style. 
like most of our women. She had it all plastered down with dippity-doo and like 10,000 bobby pins. Smashed around. And a little hairnet that came down too far in the front like cafeteria lady worker, worker, you know, in school. Or Ruth Bussey, if you remember. From Laugh-In. My dad let us watch Laugh-In, but then he'd say, don't tell none of the church members. So... The, the, the sister, and her name was her, literally this was her last name was Self, Sister Self. That was her name. I'm not kidding. As fate would have it, for my preaching today, her name was Sister Self. And Sister Self always sat on the second row. My, I sat on the front row with my mom and Sister Self sat there and she'd stand up and she, her, this was her testimony. Wednesday night we had testimony service and she'd stand up and she'd say, uh, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, been a, been a member of this church since, uh, for 38 years and I'm living my life trying to make heaven my home. Now I'm thinking about that. Now think about the think about the theology the theology behind that. I'm living my life trying to make heaven my home. Well, if I knew what I knew now, I could have turned around to her and said, "Well, get saved and you can stop trying." <laughs> See? Y'all pray. Y'all pray that I'll make it to the end. In other words, that means I don't make any mistakes till I get down there to heaven. And then she'd sit down and then she'd do this little thing, you know, that we did in our church. You know, uncontrollable twitches. Praise the Lord, because she felt something after she said that. Um, and every Wednesday night, you could count on her to be the first testimony. Every week, it was that. My dad, anybody have a testimony? I'd, said, I'd turn to my mom, sister self's going to start up. And my, my mom would, shh, be quiet. Church members will hear you. Don't say that. All right. But, but what we ought to be, I love that. What we, are you what you ought to be? Are you sure? If you're not sure, get down here. You find out all truth down here. Well, uh, now this Bible here, if you can trust amplified people, Says, approved, <laughs> approved, approved, approved. We are viewed as being approved. Well, I don't feel approved. 
Sometimes if you have a, a, a feeling that's not good, if you have pain somewhere else, it, it deflects it. So you don't feel approved. What if we hit you in the head with a hammer? <laughs> then you wouldn't think about that anymore. <laughs> or stomp on your foot. You don't like a little psychology test. Now what are you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling pain in my foot. Good. Now you're no longer feeling unapproved. <laughs> I just don't feel like I used to feel. Tell me about it. <laughs> just wait ten years. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Approved. Approved. Boy, we could just shout on that for about 10 minutes. I'm approved by God. Sister Ledbetter may not approve of me, but God does. She's Ledbetter than everybody else. Sister Ledbetter. I'm acceptable. You, you know, if you're not watching in church land, everything you do is unacceptable. If breathing could be counted as a sin in some places, you would be unacceptable. You can breathe as long as you don't enjoy it. <laughs> that anything you enjoy is a sin. And God hates it. <sighs> Acceptable. And in right relationship, that's in, that's where we live. This is, I'm in the right relationship. I live in the right relationship. Like I, like you live in the state of Florida. We live in the state of Florida. We live in the state of right relationship. Glory to God. We're not in and out of it. We live in it. That's our residence. Glory to God. Count on it. Rely on it. By His goodness. Now that one is an important part. By His goodness. Not by my goodness. Not by my effort. By His. Praise the Lord. Alright, now. I want you to... We're going to... We're going to do this now. Now see, the cool thing is... 
because we have many sessions. If we run out of time, we'll just unhook and then hook back up. That's the good thing about a conference. Hallelujah. Don't have to make our point in 20 minutes. Save the world in 20 minutes. Did you like those verses? Well, if you don't, just get an exacto knife and cut it out. <laughs> Might as well. All right, now we're going to read. This is as far as we're going to get. Now, we're, now look at Second Corinthians five twelve. See, we're in the same passage. But I wanted to read that part first, and then I'm going to kind of do a little weird thing here where we back up and go over the verses leading up to this because it gives us a greater understanding. This is fantastic. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5.12. I wish I could take credit for this, but I can't. It was Paul. Okay, starting at verse 12. We are not commending ourselves to you again. But we are providing you with an occasion and an incentive to be rightfully proud of us so that you may have a reply for those who pride themselves on surface appearances. Now, isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting in, again, in our church world... Isn't it interesting, are we in the right verses here? Okay, isn't it interesting how much value is placed on externalism? It's interesting. But he says here that you may have a reply for those who pride themselves on surface appearances. Now there are those... (laughs) Those people are still alive on the earth. I just thought I'd tell you. There's a few of them loose. (laughs) They pride themselves on surface appearances, on the virtues they only appear to have. Because if it's not generated by the Holy Spirit, it's not real. And for every real thing, there's a counterfeit. For every real diamond, there's a fake one. For every real expensive watch, there's a false one. You understand? For every, you know, everything, every, every hundred dollar bill, there's a counterfeit one. And so it can look like something from God, but unless it is truly the work of the Holy Spirit in a life, it becomes dead religion. Whatever it is. And no need to go into all that. Everybody knows. And the virtues they only appear to have. Can you imagine Paul wrote this? What was he thinking? Although their heart is devoid of them. For if we are beside ourselves, mad as some say. Paul says he and his ilk and band is mad. They're crazy. It is for God and concerns him. 
If we are in our right mind, it is for your benefit. For the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us because we are of the opinion and conviction that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that all those who live might live no longer to and for themselves, but to and for him who died and was raised again for their sake. Consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a purely human point of view. Now, this is an important thing. Jesus said, I judge no man. Jesus said, you ju-, this was in John. He said, you judge after the external. And he says, God sees the heart. Woo! Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Sister Ledbetter's not leading the charge. <laughs> Consequently, from now on, and I believe this needs to be our creed and motto, that from now on we estimate and regard no one from a purely human point of view in terms of natural standards of value. <laughs> Not even though we once did estimate Christ from a human viewpoint and as a man, yet now we have such knowledge of Him that we know, we know Him even no longer in terms of the flesh. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ. Listen, folks, when we're born again, we're not just picked up from sin, cleaned up, polished up, and then put over here to sin again and, and try to clean up ourselves now. We are united with Christ. The new creation is not us cleaned up. The new creation is us engrafted in Christ. Grace is not the, the, the end. Grace is the vehicle. <laughs> grace being the gift of God. Because people get all upset over grace. Grace is just gift. How many believe salvation is a gift that Jesus gave to us? Folks get all upset over that word. It's not, it's not that big of a word to get upset over. It just means God's gift. <laughs> is this helping you? And he gives us this gift to get us to where? What did he, what did he do all this fixing up for? What's all this finished work about? So that we could be in Christ. Alright, is this helping you? How many's excited? Okay. Third of you, alright. I'm an evangelist, I count things. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation. See, he's and some translations uh, say a part of the new creation. I love that. A new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. But all things are from God who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself. Amen. Look at this. Received us into favor. We live in the state of Florida. We live in the state of righteousness. We live in the state of favor. Brought us into harmony with himself and gave to us the ministry 
of reconciliation, that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. It was God. And then we, we read 19 where we started. Now, think about that. It's our, we've been brought into harmony. Do you, do you, that's, a, that's a musical term. Harmony. We have the melody and the harmony. Jesus is singing the melody and we're the harmony. Praise God. We're harmonizing with him. How, however, in a song, wherever the melody goes, the harmony follows behind it. Hallelujah. So you'd have two lines of notes of music going along together. Praise the Lord. If you have four-part harmony, you have four lines of notes going along together. Everybody's singing their part. Hallelujah. So that's us. We're in the song with Jesus. Glory to God. We're united with Him. You don't really know where Jesus stops and we start and vice versa. Praise the Lord. So it's not us disconnected. We got so much to preach this week. It's exciting. I'm like, I'm like overdosed on the whole thing. Eyes are bugging out and everything. But we are, we, we are, we are like, we are like so united with Him. That's the whole story there. That's the end. We were never called in evangelizing to try to straighten up the world and make it act better. No, it's just an invitation to come and be one with Christ. To be one with Jesus. To be reconciled. So, I, I do have one more little uh, comment to make. I have five minutes. Ha ha. How about that? <sighs> Listen to this. In answer to, and we'll, we'll get into to, uh, to, to more of these verses. But in answer to what is finished. See, because the, remember the bumper sticker, be patient, God's not finished. Um, one, one, one verse here that we need to recognize is Colossians 2, verse 9, for in him the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form. Listen to this. Giving complete expression of the divine nature and you are in him made full and having come already to fullness of life. And he says in brackets here, in Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead. You too. Now we understand Jesus being filled. Every church in this county would agree with Jesus being filled. But what about us? Well, y'all just try your best and maybe at the end he'll finally, you know. No, you too are filled with the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And reach full spiritual stature. And he is the head of all rule and authority. Wow, do you think you could end some of that right there? You could get a miracle today? If you had a blind eye, you think that might open it? Praise God. Do you understand? Everything that is God is in us. 
I tell you what is so 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 the answer to the question, what is finished, what is finished is the new creation is finished. What is the new creation? It's a slash word. It's me slash Christ. <laughs> right? Me slash Christ. There was a pastor in Tulsa years ago that, that created quite a controversy because he had a, 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 you know, these plates that you put on the front of your car. You can get a little, a little something on there, your initials or some little saying or USA number one or whatever. He had one that said El Shaddai Jr. <laughs> a pastor. Yeah, El Shaddai Jr. And he would drive his car to the local, you know, uh, county ministerial fellowship, you know, all the pastors from the area. And some of those pastors would just get so upset at him, they'd, they'd roll their eyes, oh, here comes El Shaddai Jr. <laughs> who does he think he is? Says, I'm just saying I'm who God's made me to be. Hallelujah. Jesus was called a blasphemer because he said, you know, in John 10, they said, we're going to stone you. He says, for which miracle do you stone me? He said, we don't stone you for miracles, but we stone you because you blaspheme, because you say you and God are one. I tell you, in, in, in the terms of religion, in the terms of tradition, saying that you and God are one is kind of a blasphemy. It's kind of something that you won't get elected to things. Saying that. <laughs> Folks don't like it when you say that. Who do you think you are? Well, you don't want to know who I think I am. Some days I'm thinking I'm better than other days. What I think I am. But I'll tell you what the Word says that I am. From God's view, I am His Son. He is my Father. We are one family. We are connected. DNA is the same. Spiritual DNA. Amen. Hallelujah. Is the same as God's. Praise the Lord. So how's that for a starter? Does that help us to get started? Praise the Lord. I'm going to take a little moment here to pray for you. If you're here today uh, and uh, you have any kind of need uh, in your body, a physical need or whatever... Uh, why don't you just, uh, why don't we all stand? We'll just do it this way. Why don't we all stand for a moment? Put your hand wherever you're suffering, wherever you have a need, wherever there's a symptom or a pain. We'll be ministering to the sick and those things throughout the week, but we'll just do it this way this morning. Praise God, we have a lot of testimonies that come from this prayer right here. Put your hand where you're suffering. Jesus is here by the Holy Spirit. He's touching you where you have need. And I'll take authority in Jesus' name, hallelujah, over this uh, situation. In the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you for your for the shed blood of Jesus. I thank you, uh, Father, for authority that we have in Jesus' name. I command every sickness, every pain, every uh, uh, distress and deficiency, weakness, to go from these bodies in Jesus' name. Be healed and whole today from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. I command blind eyes to open, deaf ears to unstop, lame legs to walk. Be healed and be made whole in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Now lift your hands and pray.